at the Sabbath Church family. Hey, I, I really feel like I'm in good company. Praise the Lord. I tell you, I, I have to say this. I continue to enjoy ministry. Praise God. And the Lord has certainly um, been good to me and my family. And we have been thoroughly blessed to be here at Garland. Our family, I just needed to know that we, we love and appreciate you all. And uh, there's so much that we are learning. And um, I am eternally grateful to God that I have this time with my family to live life with you. Um, it's a joy just visiting you. And if I haven't gotten to your house as yet or, or with lunch with you as yet or spending time with you, just know uh, that, that, that you're on my radar, okay? I wish I could do everything uh, speedily and, you know, but I got to step it through, all right? But I, I truly love and adore God's people. Remember, next Sabbath is communion, and we will have foot washing here at church, all right? But I understand that some of you, and maybe some of you watching online, you, you do the foot washing at your home when you come to church for the sharing of the emblems. You can continue doing that, okay? So let's do that. And I would just like to touch base briefly um, with, with our elders right after church. Just, just a quick word on communion. Uh, that is next Sabbath coming up. Um, So, yeah, it's okay. I got it. Thank you so much, Sister Sarah. All of those who are here today, you're visiting, I want to truly welcome you to the Garland family. You're joining online, I want to welcome you. This is an amazing uh, group of Christian people who love God, and, and um, I want you to know that this can be your home. And maybe you've been visiting and you've been a, a permanent visitor, so to speak. And uh, you haven't transferred your membership yet. We can also take care of that. Uh, so you can join the family and do ministry with the family. There's a card right before you if you fill that out and turn that in to me or one of the elders will be happy to take care of that. And finally, regarding baptism, it's the best decision you could make in this life. And if you haven't been baptized yet, just know that Jesus is your example. He was baptized, and he said it's very, very important in this life to be baptized. And so if you haven't yet, reach out to us. Let us help you on that journey as well, as well. Today, if we could put up that slide. Um, today is a very significant day. Even before I came to Garland, I was looking at this day. October 22nd, 2022. Because, you see, October 22nd is very, 
important to the Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And so I decided that I would just uh, put a pause for today on our studies on the fruit of the Spirit and be able to incorporate this in our, in our life today as a people, uh, as we share from the Word of God. So what I'd like you to do, I'd love for you to make sure you have a Bible in hand, whether it's a physical Bible or your electronic device. I'm going to invite you to turn to Daniel chapter 7 as we use this time to investigate why October 22nd, 1844. I invite you to bow your heads with me. As we pray. Father in heaven, you're an awesome God. You are amazing. Your love has no bounds. You reach down into our wretchedness or sinfulness, and you have provided a way for mankind to experience a life of wholeness, health, forgiveness of sins, power to overcome sin, and to have the guarantee of one day living in an experience where there'll be no sin, no death, no sorrow all provided by you giving humanity the life of your son, Jesus Christ. So today we give you honor and glory. We lift you on high. And as we turn to your word today, we ask for your guidance. Father, I give all that I am into your hands for you to lead and guide and bless. I present all my faculties into your hands. Father, please speak to me and through me to your people. May we all be blessed, and may we all be changed by your words. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus made this statement in Matthew 24, verse 15. He said we should study the book of Daniel. We should read it, and we should seek to understand it. So now if Jesus says those words to his people, and we choose not to, can you imagine what we're telling Jesus? We can handle our own salvation ourselves. We know how best to deal with sin. That's what we're telling Jesus. So when we sit down with our chemistry books, and we spend hours and hours a day, are you following me? Studying all that we need to know to cover the material in a class. All week. Yes, gaining A's and, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, weak when it comes on to the knowledge of the book of Daniel that Jesus said everybody should understand this book. I remember when I first came across that text, I was indeed blessed. Someone sat down with me 
and work with me through the book of Daniel. It was amazing. I was probably at the same age like Jonah when I started to dig deep within the book of Daniel. And how the Lord has helped me through my life, I know if he did that to me, he can do it for you too. This book was written by God, and if we come to him with humility, he will bless us with all levels of understanding. You do not have to go to the seminary to be an excellent student of the Bible. Because we have the best teacher, the author, the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so today, with Jesus' request, we will turn to Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to look at why October 22, 1844. The book of Daniel, let me turn there, and I'll go to chapter 1, I mean verse 1, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, do you remember him by the way, anyone? Who was he? The king in what chapter? Chapter 5. He was the king of Babylon. Even though we're in chapter 7, this vision is pertaining to chapter 5 in Daniel. Are you with me? He was the king of Babylon in chapter 5. And he was the one who did this. He mixed the truth of God, right? Remember, he, 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 mixed, he kept a party and took all the emblems from out of the sanctuary and did what? Poured what? Wine in it. And God says, liquor is not for mankind. Oh, yeah. But he took it, poured in those glasses, and had a party with the things of God, blaspheming God by mixing truth with error. And God does not like that. In fact, that very night, Belshazzar received the judgment of God. He was killed that very night by the Babylonians who came and conquered Jerusalem. You remember that story? Well, this is the guy right here in chapter 5. Well, Daniel had a vision during that time uh, in chapter 7. Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision uh, by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven was stirring up the great sea, and four great what? Beasts came up from the sea, each different from each other. So here Daniel saw four what? And beasts in the Bible is symbolic of a? Wonderful. A kingdom or a nation. Wonderful. The first beast was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to him. So this first beast that Daniel saw was like a lion with what? With eagle's wings. Jeremiah 
Jeremiah spoke of this. And when Jeremiah spoke of Babylon as a prophet, Jeremiah the prophet likened Babylon to a lion and an eagle. Can you imagine that? So therefore, even though it's not even stated here yet, or it's not stated in this vision, who the lion kingdom is, we know who it is. Because we're going to line up Daniel chapter 7 with Daniel chapter 2 in a short while, and you'll see the nature and who these four kingdoms are. The four kingdoms of Daniel chapter 2 began where Daniel got the dream. Where did Daniel got the dream in Daniel chapter 2? In Babylon. Where did Daniel got this dream? In Babylon. Lion with eagle's wings. So obviously we know for sure that this kingdom of lion uh, in nature is a kingdom of Babylon. And suddenly another beast, a second beast like a what? A bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, Arise, devour, much what? Flesh. Sure we know the second kingdom in Daniel 2 with the statue. You remember that statue? The kingdom of what? The breast. No, no, the, 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 the next kingdom. The kingdom of silver is representative of the Medes and Persian. In fact, in world history, the only world empire that came after Babylon that demolished Babylon was the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. You can go to your Google and check it out, and you'll see it. But all of this was prophesied before it happened, amen? Oh, my, 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 God is on the move. The third kingdom, God, uh, Daniel saw, after this I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird, also had four heads, and dominions was, dominion was given to it. We know the third kingdom who ruled this world in that, in that region was? Greece, right? Greece came after Medo-Persia. The kingdom of Greece conquered the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And it had a leader. His name? Alexander the Great. And in fact, he didn't live for too long. He died. And when he died, they split his kingdom into four areas, just like the Bible is speaking of here. So we know the third kingdom of a leopard is no other than the Grecian kingdom. And then the fourth kingdom. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast. Now this beast wasn't given an identity. It's just called a ferocious beast, a dreadful and terrible beast, which is, who is exceedingly strong. It had what? Huge iron teeth. It, it, it was what? Devouring, breaking into pieces and trampling the residue which, which, um, with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had, it had what? So this beast had ten horns. It was a fourth beast kingdom. In fact, it was so much more superior than the other three. Very critical, very important that you remember that. In fact, when you think of iron 
and you think of gold, which one is stronger? Obviously. Iron is far more stronger than gold. Gold is so soft, you know? That's why they use it a lot in, in electronics. Um, but let's go. Let's finish this text. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn. See that? While he's seeing this ferocious beast with ten horns, this four kingdom, he saw another horn. And he described it as a little one. He saw a little horn. And look at this little horn. Um, and there was another horn, a little horn, coming up among them. Before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. This is a, this is a really bad little horn. It says it's little, but it's, it's mighty. I know of a country that says the people are little, but they're talawa, meaning they're strong. Mm. And there in his horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great words or pompous words, meaning this Whoever this little horn is, it's in defiance of who? Of God. But watch this. After this little horn, whoever this little horn is in scripture, after it came on the scene, the next scene that is presented before Daniel is this. Look at what Daniel saw. So, if we can find out, Elder Stewart, who this little horn is, then after its reign, we can tell something about the next scene. Hmm. This is what Daniel saw. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was, was seated. His garment was white as, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, his, its wheels a, a, a burning fire. Who is this ancient of days? This is some kind of being. Well, let's keep reading. A fiery stream issued and came from, from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. So we're getting the drift who this is. This is, this is. this is an almighty being. This is no regular person. It, it might be of age, ancient of days, that's fine. But this person has some level of divinity within him. Thousand times ten thousand ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And as they all stood before him in this scene, the Bible now says the court was what? The court. What do you mean? That the, when it says the court, what is it trying to say? Some kind of judgment is taking place. The, it's a court scene with a judge. And many, many beings before him. And this incident take, took place right after the little horn. 
Wow, wow, wow. And the books were opened. The record was opened. In that court scene, the record was bare before the beings. There's no human being in this text right here. Watch this. We're going to read some more. I watch. And then, because of the sound of the pompous words, which the horn, meaning the little horn, was speaking, I watched till the beast was what? Slain. I watched till the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for just a season and a time. And then, then, in this court scene, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. So here you have the Son of Man. The Father is already there with the many beings in front of him, worshiping him. And then here comes the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? King Jesus. Coming in the scene. Amen? Can you see him? He's so glorious. He's so confident. And he's stepping up into the judgment scene with his father. As the judge. With the ancient of days. And the Bible says, coming with the clouds of? Clouds of? Heaven. He came to the ancient of days. And they brought him near before him. Then. To him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and language should what? Should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Folk, ready? Four kingdoms, little horn, Judgment, and then what? Kingdom given to the saints. Are you with me? That's Bible. This scene is actually repeated two more times in the book of Daniel chapter 7. Four kingdoms, a little horn, a judgment scene, and then kingdom given to the saints. Little horn also destroyed. Right there in the book. Three times. I'll show it to you. Let me, let me just fast forward on my, let me fast forward on my slides here because I, 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 I had to press along a little bit. So we talk about the lion kingdom, the, 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 the two other kingdoms, then the iron kingdom with the ten horns, you read it from the Bible, right? And then the little horn that came up. You see that little horn right there in the middle? Pluck up three of them. All right. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll come back to the identification mark of the little, little horn. There's something I want to show you. Oh, man, I, I know. I know. Uh, something I want to show you here. This is what I want to show you. So as we read through... Daniel chapter 1 to verse what? 14. What I simply did was to look at all three of the scriptures 
that identify this vision. And when you go to Daniel 7, verse 4 to 14, that's what we read today. That's what we read. When you go to 17 to 22, it doesn't list the four kingdoms. It simply says four kingdoms. It didn't say lion, bear, grease. Sorry, it should be leopard, right? It didn't say those. It just say four kingdoms. But we know which four kingdoms it's talking about. But then it mentioned the little horn. After the little horn, judgment was given to the saint. Judgment was set in the first, the first set of paragraphs, and the books were open. Judgment was given to the saints. The saints possessed the kingdom. When you go to the last one on, on my left, to end the chapter, it goes over the same vision, the very same vision, but it goes after the first, it starts with the fourth beast. All right? And after the fourth beast came a what? Another horn. Yeah, that's the, we don't, it's just repeating itself. But after the, 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 the little horn, judgment, the Bible says, shall sit. All right? And, and the kingdom of the little horn was taken away. And then after that, kingdom given to the what? Do you see the similarities? Right there in the book. What I want us to focus on is whoever is this little horn, there's a judgment scene that will take place right after this little horn. So who is this little horn? Seventh-day Adventist Christians didn't come up with this, friends. Let me just say that. The Bible shared it. And many people decided to give their life for what they see in the Bible. They decided that they will live their life not following man. They said, listen, we are going to follow what? The word of God. They didn't care what people were saying to them. Whatever they read, they were going to follow. And I just want to say, for those who are watching and for those in the sanctuary today, I just want to say that's where we got to be. It doesn't matter what preachers say. Yes, you listen like the people in, in Berea, and you try to understand. But ultimately, you're making a decision not based upon a man or a woman. Because when you stand in the judgment, Jesus is not going to ask you what the pastor said. Jesus is going to ask you, what did I say? Are you with me, folk? So you must make sure you follow what the Bible says, friend, and that... Friends, and that's so significant. So significant. This judgment scene fall after the little horn was revealed and after his reign. So let's go back through the identification markers of this little horn. Very critical. And you saw it already, so uh, I'm just going to try and skip back. All right? But... Uh, the Bible is very clear, and just to say, uh, okay, so let's look at the list of identification markers for the little horn. It came up among the what? So it came up in Europe. This is not a power in Russia, not a power in China, not a power in the Far East. 
This came up among them. Who is the them? The ten divisions of Rome. Those ten horns, right? Ten divisions of Rome. It came up among them. So the power we're looking for is a European power that came up among the divisions of Rome. Are you with me? That's all God could have given me, and I'll be good. Because no other power with any kind of arrogance against God came up among the ten divisions of Rome but one power. And that's so clear. I could have, I could have closed the Bible and said to God, I know who it is, I'm good. But God wants us to understand this thing so clearly. He doesn't want us to have any excuses. Because once he shares it, if we choose not to follow it, it's on us. Are you with me? God wants to save us, so he's going to give us every single clarity we will need to make a decision. So let's go. Came up among them, so it came up in Europe. It plucked up three of the little horns. It did subdue three of those kingdoms. It had the eyes of a what? There was a man leading this system. All right? Uh, he had a mouth speaking great things against the? He's arrogant against God. I mean, he, it, that, that's such a blasphemous act. That he's speaking against his creator. And it says great things. Can you imagine? He made war with the saints. In fact, over 50 million Bible-believing people were slaughtered by this institution. Anyone who went against it, they were killed. And killed in the most vows of ways. When I speak, I just want to say, God is not against a people. He wants to save everyone, right? But listen, there is a system. There is an institution that's completely against God. It acts religious. But it's not. It is what? Wolf in sheep clothing. Are you with me? God is speaking about them, the leadership. He's not talking about the people. He loves them. He would even like to save the leadership, but the leadership is against him. Are you with me? And I have studied with many people a part of the system and watched them come to Jesus. The moment they read the Bible and they saw it for themselves, when they saw it, you know what? They made a decision for Christ and followed him and never turned back. Jesus said, my sheep knows what? This is his voice. Hallelujah. This is the voice of God. And if it tells you what to do and you do it, you are guaranteed the blessings of the heavenly father. But if you choose not to, judgment. Made war with the saints. He would think to change times and what? Yes, he would do that. 
In fact, this entity tried to do that with God's law, but this entity has failed. Are you hearing me? It has failed. Try to change the times and the laws. It shall be given into his hand until what? Times and the? Its persecuting power will last for a time, times, and half a time. So we know how long this persecuting power is going to last. For how long? In the Bible, times, time, times, and half a time comes to 1,261. Time, one day. Times, two days. Half a divided of times, half a day. All right? 360 days. Sorry, one year. Times, time one year, times two years, and half a time, half a year. In the Jewish, in the Jewish life, there, there's 360 days for the year. And since we're using a Jewish what? Record, correct? A Jewish lifestyle, when the Bible referred to prophetic messages concerning days, is referred to in the Jewish calendar. 360 uh, uh, days are in a year, two years, 720, half a year, total, 1260 days. In the Bible, in prophetic messages, only I would say in prophetic messages, don't go use this conversion in other places. All right? When the Bible is speaking prophetically of a day, um, Ezekiel 4 verse 6, I've given to you a day for so 1260 years of persecuting power. The only entity in world history that had this kind of, um, I would say, uh, 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 this kind of mission in our world, none other. And I say this, uh, I, and I know I have possible Catholic friends here in the sanctuary today, or maybe you have families who are part of the Catholic Church, so you online as well. This is not about the people. This is about the leadership of the Roman Catholic Church, the papacy. And this system, it's against God, even though it looks like it's doing good things. The Bible says, yes, this entity makes war with the saints. The very Pope, Pope John Paul, in the year 2000, asked the world for forgiveness for all the atrocities during the Dark Ages. This is biblical, it's sound. And the only world power that came up out of divided Rome was the what? The papacy. And it ruled from 538 to 1798 AD. In fact, its rule ended in 1798 when the Pope was taken captive. This, this is, go to Google. Put it in, you'll see it. In 1798, all of his persecuting power evaporated. Just like the Bible said, and Jesus said, read the book of Daniel. 
seek to understand it. There's something within it that you must know. And this entity, of course, in 1798, lost its persecuting power. If you want to calculate 1260 years before that, that ended in what? That, that started in 538. During this time, most of the evil that was perpetrated upon this world during the Dark Ages was by the Roman Catholic Church system. Many were considered to be heretics and they were killed because of that, because of following the Bible. Many of our churches today, you name it, name one, the Baptist Church, name two, the Lutheran Church, name three, the Methodist Church, most of these churches started during, that, during the time called the Reformation period. It was during this time when, when men like Martin Luther went to the sister. He was a priest. Can you imagine this? He was a Roman Catholic priest. And when he read the Bible for the first time, he said, listen, this Bible is correct. I want to follow it. He tried to tell them about it. They wouldn't listen. Eventually, he left the church. Started his own church, his own movement, called the Lutheran Church. John Wesley, same thing. John Knox, Presbyterian church founder. So many of them begin, began to rediscover truth in the Bible. During this time. During this time. But watch this. Don't take it from Pastor Harris. Remember, we didn't come up with this as a Seventh-day Adventist. Martin Luther said, so here's what. If anyone wants to get mad at Pastor Harris, please don't. If you see it in history, then get mad at history. Are you with me? I'm just following the Bible. Martin Luther, the founder of the Lutheran Church, said, wrote that Daniel saw the turbo wild beast which had what? Ten horns? Speaking of Rome, correct? Wild beast with ten horns, which by the consent of all is the Roman Empire. He also beheld another what? Small horn, a little horn, come up in the middle of this. Is he correct so far? Of course, coming up out of divided Rome. This is the papal power which rose up in the middle of the Roman Empire. This is Martin Luther. In fact, another reformer, uh, John Wycliffe, why is it necessary in unbelief to look for another Antichrist? Hence, in the seventh chapter of Daniel, Antichrist is forcefully described by a horn arising in the time of the fourth kingdom. call him Antichrist? Why would you call it Antichrist? Yes, it means against Christ. Remember, he, he spoke great words against God, right? But also, say it, I heard it. Spoke against the Most High God, but anti also means in the place of. So he's going to take all of Christ's prerogatives Christ forgives sins. Hey, he's also going to 
place upon himself the capability of forgiving sins. Who can forgive sins but God? You ain't done nothing to me, but I'm going to forgive you. Are you with me? Only God can forgive sins. In fact, he claims the authority to be God upon earth. I mean, all kinds of stuff that is that's, that's blasphemous against God. So now, this Antichrist, what Wycliffe said, for so or clergy, foresee, Lord, in other words, the fourth, the fourth kingdom that came up was the papacy, according to the reformers. All right. So what happened? So we talked about this. That's the, that's the rule of the papacy uh, during its persecuting mission. Uh, that speaks towards that. And in 1798, birth year, the French general made his entrance into Rome abolish the papal government, and establish a secular one. This is history. Encyclopedia, you can read newspapers, whatever it is online, you'll see it. It's there. So during that time, there was no papacy. Watch this. It's, it's, this is something I, 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 and you can do your own experiment, you know, when it comes to prof the prophetic messages. I just got this picture and just, just put in some things in it. But you'll see it in Daniel chapter 2 with gold, silver, brass, iron, and iron mixed with clay, Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, Rome, divided Rome. Correct? Yeah. All the way across. Daniel 7, bear, sorry, lion, bear, leopard, strange, ferocious um, um, animal, which is Rome, and then the ten horns all line up. But after, I want, I wish, can I, does this have a, yes it doesn't. But after Rome, you see where I have Rome? And you see where below it I have Rome, divided kingdoms. Do you see that line? In Daniel chapter 2 and in Daniel chapter 7, something appeared. All right? That is not of the hands of man. Something happened in world history. And what happened was what? The judgment scene. There's a judgment scene that began in heaven after the reign of the persecution reign of the papacy. Happened in heaven. Judgment scene. Names were declared in that judgment scene. The books were opened. And who were they open to? They were open to the angels. Anytime you hear Jesus coming with the clouds, he's not coming with people. He's coming with angels. That's Bible. And so here you have this judgment scene with all the angels and the name of, God, of, of, of God's people. Remember, judgment was given to the saints. The name of God's people were being placed before angels. Why? And that began, that began after 1798. Sometime after 1798, when the papacy lost its persecuting power, that started in heaven. 
We know, we're going to study when, but let's see. I watched till thrones were put in place, and ancient of days was seated. We're almost there. A thousand, thousand ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. That scene started. The judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion. What will ultimately happen to the little horn? It will what? Isn't it amazing that the little horn will be finally one day destroyed? You know, when you study the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1 through to 6, guess what happens? In that, you see many stories, right? Three, three Hebrew boys thrown in the fire furnace. Daniel thrown in the lion's den. They had issues in chapter 1 because they chose to eat a certain way rather than defile their God. You name it. All throughout the book of Daniel in chapter 1 through 6, those were experiences that Daniel and his friends faced during that time. And God is saying, listen, whatever they did to overcome all of that persecution, we must follow them. Because the day is going to come similar to their experiences when we are going to have to act like them. Are you with me? Yes. Which is all the way to overcome. So if we choose not to read the book of Daniel, we are not going to learn Daniel and his friends' secrets of overcoming during persecution. But you can't say, God, you didn't tell me. How are you going to say that? That would be a lie. Some people have 10 of them in their homes. In fact, Watch this. Right? It's here. No excuse. No excuse. If you read your biology books and don't read the Bible, no excuse. God loves you too much. He wants you to know. All right, let's finish this up. Let's finish. As Daniel contemplates all of that, that he has seen in the vision. What was his question? How long shall be the vision? We skip over to chapter 8 real quick. We have to go to 8 and 9. I'm just going to take two texts, one from 8, one from 9. In fact, when Daniel saw what was happening in chapter 7, he couldn't take it much. God came to him in chapter 8 to give him more understanding. And in chapter 8... In chapter 8, God went through the same thing. He gave us world history and then told us about Rome. And then after Rome, he then mentioned the little horn again in chapter 8. Remember that same timeline? He did it again in chapter 8. Mentioned the little horn. Right after the little horn, this was presented to Daniel. The little horn did some amazing things disastrous things against God. He told so much lies against God in chapter 8. Defamed his, his sanctuary. And then, after, after he saw what the little horn did, what is the next scene? After the little horn? In the Bible? Judgment. Always judgment. After the little horn, judgment. 
chapter 8, verse 14. Let's read it together. We're almost there, friends. Almost there. Just follow me. Skip to chapter 8 real quick. And let's look at verse uh, 14. Chapter 8 and verse 14. The Bible says, And he said unto me, For 2,300 what? Evenings and mornings are days. Then the sanctuary shall be what? After 2,300 days, the sanctuary would be cleansed. Well, 2,300 days in chapter 8, the same entity as little warning 7 is the same entity in, in, in chapter 8. Some people try to differ them, but they can't. The Bible is too clear. The little horn in seven is the little horn in eight, which is a Roman papacy. But watch this. Um, in chapter eight, the same thing is following in chapter eight. After the little horn, then you have the cleansing of the sanctuary. In the Bible, the cleansing of the sanctuary is known as the day of judgment. Y'all hear that? Cleansing of the sanctuary is known as the day of judgment. So judgment in chapter 8 occurs right after the presentation of the little horn again in chapter 8. Why didn't God give Daniel an interpretation of his 2300 days? After Daniel saw all that the little horn did, Daniel could not take any more. God are you saying that this is going to last for 2,300 years? Because remember, in prophecy, days for what? Are you, are you saying, God, that's how long this is going to happen in your sanctuary? Ooh, my, my. My, my. Daniel could not take it. In fact, the Bible says, I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for certain days. That's chapter 8. And then finally, Finally, chapter 9. The same person who gave Daniel the vision in chapter 8, when Daniel couldn't take it, the same person came back in chapter 9. So chapter 9 is not a different vision from chapter 8. It's just one vision. Are you with me? It's just that he couldn't give it to him all at once. Some of us may can't take all of, all of it at once. Today, I'm just going to implore you. We're almost there. In Daniel chapter 9, who appeared to Daniel in, to answer his prayers? Gabriel. The same one who came in chapter 8. Gabriel, whom I had seen in the, of the chapter 8 vision. Now we're in chapter 9. Now remember, you know, the, the Bible wasn't written in chapters like how we have it today. So sometimes we think this chapter is different from that chapter. No, you have to follow the narrative. All right? This is one vision. Chapter 9. What is the purpose of Gabriel's vision this time? I am now come forth to give thee what? Skill and understanding. Understand the matter and understand the vision. Meaning, you did not get the understanding of the 2300 years I am coming back to help you understand that. Did Daniel know of the four kingdoms, who they were? Yes. 
Yes, he did. From chapter 2, right? And from just his life, he could tell the four kingdoms. Well, the part that he didn't understand, he fainted, was when the vision of the 2300 years was given. How much time of the 2300 days was determined for the Jewish people, God says? Daniel wanted to know when the vision began. When does it, if I know when the 2300 days begin, all I got to do is add 2300 years to it, then I get to the end. Are you with me? So all I need to know is the beginning of this 2300 days. Yes, there's some parts in between that Daniel 9 talks about. That will be a next study. But just to understand the 2300 days, if you can know when it starts, then you know when it ends. So watch this. Bible says 70 concerning 2300 days, 70 off. 70 weeks are cut off. 70 weeks are cut off. 70 weeks. How much days is that? 490 days. So 490 years are cut off for a specific purpose. Are you with me? And when does that start? When are the 70 weeks and 2300 day prophecy to begin? Daniel 9 verse 27. From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. Jerusalem was demolished during the Babylonian captivity. Now it's time to return. Are you with me? And the Bible says, listen, that 70 week, it begins when the decree goes out to restore back Jerusalem. You look it up. It's well known when that happened. 457 B.C. Look that up. The decree to rebuild Jerusalem. So watch this. If we know when that 2300 days or year prophecy began to restore and rebuild Jerusalem in 457 B.C., all you got to do is add what? 2,300 days or years to that, you end with 1844. Seventh-day Adventist Christians weren't on, were not only the ones who were paying attention to this. There were so many other groups that were actually holding on to this prophecy during that time. Are you with me? 1844 is written within scripture it is after 1798 are you with me it's after remember, it's, remember it should happen sometime after 1798 is 1844 after 1798 yes it is it's there well something in 1844 the sanctuary was being cleansed which means in heaven a day of judgment began. Where the judgment is for the saints. And against who? The little horn. That's Bible. That's Bible right there. Um, October 22nd, 1844. This is from one of our pioneers. This is where we got 
October 22nd. We got it from a guy called um, Samuel Snow. Samuel Snow. That's where we got it from. And what he did, what he did, and listen, even though I'm going to share this right now, this is not the important part of the Bible text. Are you with me? The, a day or when this and when that, hey, listen. That's not the important part. The event is the important thing. Are you with me? The date setting, we can, you know, whatever. We can follow it. We can believe it. I, you know, as long as we're following scripture. But the important thing is what happened, not the date setting. Sometimes, sometime within 1844, something happened. Our pioneer, Samuel Snow, said, this is from, this is from um, Adventist Today. Uh, the Karaites were a sect of Jews who believed that all of the divine instruction was what? Recorded in the Torah. Without the additional explanation from the, Mish, the Midrash or Talmud and prescribed, as prescribed by Rabbinic Judaism. Meaning, these literatures were commentaries to the Old Testament. All right? If I had a choice, I'm sticking with the Bible. Commentaries are good. Are you with me? But commentaries aren't supreme. You follow? Uh, I'm, I'm see. If the commentaries don't speak towards the Bible, forget commentaries. Snow and his supporters said that the Karaites determined their calendar in accordance with strict Mosaic law and determined the new year by the new moon nearest the barley harvest in Palestine, which would mean that their calendar started April 19, 1844. That's the date that these people used. And Snow is going by that date. And he's saying that Snow generates October 22 as the modern 10th day of the, the, the seventh month. Meaning, the day when the Jews had their, their holy day, which, is, which was given by God, in the Bible as the Day of Atonement or, or the cleansing of the sanctuary. That day, all right, was 10th day of the seventh month. So let's go. So if, if these people, year started in April, count seven months from April. So April... May, June, July, August, September. You see how they got to October? You see that? Seven months. And then 22. Uh, you're going to have to help with that one. <laughs> but that's all right. But when they had the 10 days and the seven months after April 19, 1844, they come up with October 22nd. 1844. On that day, many people had planned to sell their houses. They did. They gave away everything, and they gathered together on the 21st, 
preparing for Jesus to come back. They thought that the cleansing of the sanctuary meant the cleansing of the earth. And Jesus was going to come back on that day. But guess what happened on the 22nd of October? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. So they, and in fact, they set, they had set, I believe it was three dates before that. But when that happened on that day, that was the biggest disappointment. The Millerites, that's what the folks were named. They weren't Seventh-day Adventist Christians. There weren't any Seventh-day Adventist Christians during that point yet. The Seventh-day Adventist Church was organized in 1863. Are you with me? So, was there but these people, they were just studying the Bible like others were. And they were so disappointed. Matter of fact, you can't set a date for the coming of Jesus. Why? He said, no man knows the what? The day or the hour. Nobody knows exactly when he's coming back. So they should have known that, right? But they were so excited, but they end up being disappointed. That does not mean that because they got the date wrong, that they weren't on a right path. You remember the disciples? Were they disappointed when they saw Jesus crucified? Two of them walking down the road up to, to Emmaus, right? And they, they, they were talking to Jesus. They didn't even know that it was Jesus, right? They were so disappointed. But did God use these disciples for an amazing work after that? Yes, he did. Because they saw where they went wrong. They were humble enough to say, God, forgive me. And they were willing to move forward. Same thing with the Millerite movement. These people, they got back up after the, the, the disappointment and they said, we're going to press forward in study. And the more they studied, they got visions that it was not. The day was right, but the event was wrong. Yes. It's just the event that was wrong. It wasn't that Jesus was coming back. It was that Jesus was now beginning his judgment work. In the most holy place. Amen? Where the books are opened before the angels. And where decisions are made for people, people's eternity. What a God. 1844, October 22nd, is significant to every human being upon the face of this planet. And God chose Seventh-day Adventist Christians to be a group of people who would carry this message to the world. The only group that I know that is still protesting today, only one group I know still protesting. If you know another, let me know. Seventh-day Adventist Christians are the only ones still protesting. Protesting what? Protesting what? protesting everything that comes from the papacy. Papacy is the Antichrist. Many Protestants today don't even call themselves Protestants. They're not evangelicals. They're not protesting anymore. 
They don't talk about this stuff. It's in the Bible. But they don't refer to it. And if they refer to it, they come up with this man called Antiochus Epiphanes as the little horn. How could that be? Have you ever heard that name before? Put your hands up. Four people, five people, all of the entire church. If I say the papacy and you know the papacy, put your hands up. If you ever heard the word papacy. Most people, right? You see what I'm saying? How can it be a Syrian king? He's not a part of Rome. Little horn came out of Rome. Out of Europe. Not even part of Europe, you're right. How can it be Antiochus Epiphanes? But I can tell you why it is from them. If you want to deflect attention from yourself, then all you got to do is create confusion. But he's not going to confuse us today. Is he going to confuse you today? No, because it's in the Bible. So therefore, friends, watch this. And I promise you this is it. You know, the Bible, when it refers to judgment, this is my last slide, but I've got to share this. Many people don't like to hear the word judgment. In fact, when you hear this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of who? We are all going to go before God's judgment one day. Hide all you're hiding right now. You're hiding from man, but there's one being you can't hide from in this world. You cannot hide from God. David tried, and he failed miserably, right? You cannot hide from God. One day, all your works, all your life will come up in the judgment. And just as it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Folk, for the Christian, judgment is a good thing. If you go to court and your dad is the lawyer, your mom is the judge, <laughs> right? Or whatever, whatever scenario you want to put there, all right? I'm sure when you step up in that court and you see the two of them, you'll feel happy, right? Some, some of you say no. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is uh, these are two people who know you and love you immensely. They're going to bat for you, right? They're going to do all that they can to free you. Are you with me? Judgment for the Christian is an amazing thing. Daniel, you know what his name means? It means God is my judge. No wonder why God gave us this in the book of Daniel. He's trying to focus us on judgment. We can't escape it. So judgment says turn, repent. Stop doing what you're doing. Run to God. That's what judgment is saying. If you run to God, he will secure your future. So in other words, Judgment means deliverance. Deliverance from who? Deliverance from the beast. Deliverance from, from sin. That's found in Daniel chapter 7, verse 11. It's a good thing when you hear. When, when David, David asked God, God, please judge me. David said, I'd rather fall under the judgment of God than under the judgment of man. Can you imagine that? 
So Christians don't fear when they hear the word judgment. They, they, they want it because they know who is the judge. Amen? Amen? Watch this. It's vindication. It's vindication because when the books are opened up before the angels, what they're going to see first is the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all our sins. Amen? They're going to see our confession of our sins and see how he's faithful and just to forgive. Are you with me? When our names pop up there, it's going to be good because a person who is standing for us and for our case is no other than Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Finally, judgment means salvation. It's salvation for the Christians. All the people, the Bible said, serve him in his what? The day will come when the decision of the judgment will mean that Sean Harris and you who trust in Jesus will live forever in an environment where there's no beast and no sin. Judgment made for the saints. So what happened in October 22, 1844? Many people who have died and have nothing else to do with their salvation. They have died, but they have given their hearts to Jesus. Their names have been brought forth to the angels. And all God is saying is, listen, this is why I'm bringing this person to heaven. And the angels say hallelujah. Amen? Because they have seen where the person have trusted Jesus Christ. And so on resurrection day, the first resurrection, Jesus will raise them from the dead. Hallelujah? My question to the church in Garland today is this. Have you made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? And also, if you have done so, but you have walked away from him, you're not living what you should be living. And the book, listen, you can't get rid of what's written in the book. The Bible says everything good or bad, right? Everything is written. If your record should appear before the angels today, and you know you need to make it right to God now for what's going on in your life, if you don't do that, if you don't make it right with him today, you're telling Jesus, I'm in charge of my own salvation. That's what you're telling him. It's such a serious decision. When Jonah made that decision today, heaven rejoiced. How about you? As the musician plays, I don't know where you stand. Maybe you want to make a decision for Jesus now. Maybe you want to say, Jesus, listen, whatever is in that book, I'm asking you to forgive me. Clean that up. Pour your blood over it. Give me a new start. I don't know where you are today, 
I'm going to invite you to stand today if you find yourself in one of those two situations. You need to come to God. You've never accepted him as your personal savior from sins. And at the same time, you want to also maybe say to God today, God, forgive me. Give me a new start with you today. Stand before my record, now and forevermore. Let's bow your heads. Right before we pray, if you want to make a decision to be baptized, I would like you to see me after the sermon. Let's pray together. Father, we spent some time in your word today. October 22nd is, something, is a time when we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians can always look back and appreciate all that you have done for humanity. And all that you are doing right now, everything that you began, when it comes to securing our judgment for eternity, to secure our resurrection and our translation in the first resurrection, we are deeply thankful for what you have provided mankind. And Father, you have seen your people stand to their feet. Some of them are standing because today they're making a decision to join your kingdom, to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray that you send the Holy Spirit to them even now and do a special work in their hearts and minds and prepare them for our next baptism. Father, there are some today who feel like there's so much more and so much better they can be doing with your power and your presence. Sometimes, Father, we do fail you, but we know who you are. You are our God, and you are God who is willing to forgive and willing to help us not to turn to those ways anymore. And so you have seen the decisions of your people Bring your forgiveness upon every one of us today. Those who are here, those who are watching online. Forgive us, Father, and cleanse us. And whatever it is that has been tripping us up and causing us to fail, Lord, may today be a change. As the judgment continues in heaven, keep us in a state of readiness, a state of joy, a state of gladness for all that you have done and all that you will continue to do for us. Thank you, Father, for this church and thank you for your love. Go with us now and forevermore we pray in Jesus' name. Let the church of the living God say amen, amen and amen. Thank you, church family.